We're doing back to school bites here on Hot Takes on a Plate on the Believe Podcast Network. Back to school bites, the bites being figurative and that this whole back to school situation during a global pandemic, well, it bites. I mean, there is just no, no good decision a parent can make right now about going back to school. If you send your kid to school, well, that's great. It's good for their mental health. They learn in person. You get a break from them, but hey, they might get COVID. No big deal. And if you keep them home and do the virtual learning thing, they're probably not going to get COVID. But guess what? They're not going to learn as well, and it's bad for your mental health, and they won't be socializing, all that. So so that part of it bites, but also literal back-to-school bites as I debate school lunches and cafeteria classics. Yes, we're going to have some fun today with Chalkbeat, managing editor for Local News, good friend, and one of the best Twitter follows out there, Carrie Malego. Carrie, how's it going? You know, it's going. <laughs> are, are you like, now, now, here's the thing. Like, I have the luxury. I, it's, I've been... I'm I'm the kind of person when when I'm faced with something difficult, I don't like to face it. And in this situation, I've been kind of intentionally burying my head in the sand about this whole back to school thing. My attitude is it'll work itself out magically on its own. And and I just I just have to kind of roll with it and no point in thinking too far ahead. My therapist has agreed with this actually in a way. He thinks, you know what? Don't stress yourself out and stuff you can't control. So I've been burying my head in the sand a little bit on this thing, but you don't have that luxury because no. your your beat is schools. So here in New York City, you know, we're talking about going back at at 50%, uh, you know, every other day kind of thing, like half half time, if you will, with half virtual learning and social distancing and masks and all of that. But there's also talk of a potential teacher strike. No big deal. What is going on? So as of this very moment, um, you're right. The uh, official plan you can, you know, about 33%, I think, or so of uh, the city's 1.1 million students are going back totally remotely. Um, you know, their parents have opted not to return to school. Uh, the rest of the city's students are going back on a hybrid um, plan as of this moment, you know, like you said, it's every other day and sometimes Mondays, um, and then the rest of the time remote. Um, but as you, you know, alluded to, uh, principals and teachers are not all, uh, thrilled. They don't think that the buildings are safe. There are ventilation issues. Um, they don't have the PPE that they need. And, um, they also don't feel ready to roll out this hybrid model. Um, you know, principals feel like they need some more time. So a lot of principals have written uh, petitions asking the chancellor and the mayor to push back the September 10th start date. And um, the teachers union uh, is, uh, how do I put it? There's some noise uh, about a potential strike. They, uh, not to get too granular, but the leadership may vote tomorrow to authorize a vote on a strike. So that's several steps away. This so is tomorrow, not imminent. Tomorrow being, we're recording this on a Monday night, tomorrow being Tuesday. Tuesday. Usually this podcast comes out on a Wednesday. I think I might be pushing it up because by Wednesday, this might be the most dated thing ever. <laughs> Who knows? It's all moving so fast. Again, I'm burying my head in the sand, Carrie. Burying my head yeah. in the sand. Yeah. But, and and it's, it's a very challenging time, you know, for teachers and parents, like you alluded to, you're kind of forced to choose between all of these imperfect 
options um, and, you know, not really sure what is best for your children's physical health or their, their mental health, what's going on with learning loss, potentially. I think a lot of us, um, I even remember there being columns back in like March and April, I'm not going to run a pandemic homeschool. Well, you know, here we are month six. And it's one thing if your children, and particularly when you think of, you know, in New York City, where like 75% of children come from low-income families, when you think of children, you know, taking a few months of slowed down learning, um, that seems acceptable. But month six, month seven, month eight, month nine, it, it, it is adding up. And, um, it's, it's just feels like an impossible situation. I think for, for everybody, principals, teachers, students, parents. Well, and that's, that's the whole thing about it is, you know, I've been on some of these, these zoom, you know, meeting presentation things. And it's like, you get on one with your, your, your personal school and your principal and whatever. And then you get on one with the DOE and the chancellor and you go, I'm hearing two very different things here. So like, like, like what's going on? What's the truth here? Yeah. I mean, you know, on the ground in the schools, um, many, many school leaders are just saying they're not, uh, they don't feel ready. Um, and, you know, uh, take ventilation, for instance, um, you know, the city has responded to some of the criticism and they are, uh, rushing to inspect literally the ventilation in literally every classroom in the city. Um, and, you know, they're saying that it's up to date and that, that um, you know, they're fixing the problems that they're, they're coming across. Um, but there is a huge disconnect between the folks on the ground and, you know, the leadership who are doing them, the press conferences every single day. And, you know, there's, there's pressure Politically, you know, the, the, the president wants schools open. Um, and then there's, you know, uh, conflict among, you know, what we're seeing, uh, what we're hearing from some pediatricians and child development specialists. And, and also we've, we have the, uh, in New York, we have a pretty late start date. You know, there are schools that have been back since early August in other states. And, some places are seeing outbreaks, other places where um, the infection levels are low, or we are not seeing that. New York, I think the leadership here believes it's that infection rates are so, so low. Now is the time. You know, if we're going to go back now, now is the safest moment. So it's very hard to square um, what we're hearing. I think we should have a little fun now. I think, okay. I think, I think I'm, I'm feeling a little down. We need to, know, we need I'm to sorry. perk this up. <laughs> So, so here on Hot Takes on a Plate, you, the listener, gets to eavesdrop on the ultimate food fights as I debate my culinary world friends and other eating enthusiasts in their areas of expertise. And Carrie, since your beat is now schools, let's yes. let's talk lunches. Let's talk cafeteria classics. Yeah. Are you ready to get into all that is our food childhoods? Yes, yes, very all much right. so. All right, so I'm going to throw some hot takes at you and you tell me why I'm right or wrong. Okay. Here we go. First one, the most iconic cafeteria food of all time is the sloppy joe the sloppy ugh. joe is oh i heard that ugh. <laughs> I, I think it is actually a very underrated food i actually sneak it into my rotation every now and then Interesting. you know I, I look it's ground meat of some sort i use ground turkey a little healthier 
I throw in there, you know, some tomato paste. I throw in some mirepoix so you get some nice veggies in there to fill up that meat. You know, you throw a little season, you make your own house blend seasoning, little brown sugar, salt, you know, paprika, a little this, little that, maybe some chili powder. I mean, it's delicious. Put it on a bun. It's an easy one pan dinner. And when you think about childhood, I mean, hello. I mean, when Adam Sandler's singing about it, I mean, you know, that is, I mean, what, tell me what is more iconic, a cafeteria, a school cafeteria food than the Sloppy Joe. Tell me I'm right. Tell me I'm wrong. Well, I think it is an extremely iconic cafeteria food. The way you're describing it, it makes it sound gourmet. Oh, I feel it can like, be. I feel like what I recall is the slop of the Sloppy Joe into the cafeteria tray. and that memory is not appetizing to me but um, you take your spork and then you have a little sloppy seconds there to eat you know once it falls off the bun i mean come on yeah i, I can see it i mean it look it, you can't deny it's a classic so what's more iconic oh no that's it that's the that's the school okay. lunch mainstay it is all right next one there is no such thing as a bad chicken strip to me Chicken strips. I'm not talking about the nuggets, but chicken strips. Like it's like the the default thing that is never really bad. Like if you're at a ballpark or in this case a, a cafeteria, whatever, it could be sitting under a heat lamp for three hours. It's still like kind of magically good. It's mm -hmm. like crispy and hard on the outside, and it's got that just you know flavor punch of a seasoning. And you know the, even if the meat's dry, it's like you know what you get yourself some barbecue sauce, whatever. You're good to go. I mean, there's no such thing as a bad chicken strip when it comes to school cafeteria. Tell me I'm right. Tell me I'm wrong. You're right. I I think uh, I feel like I've never had a bad chicken no, strip in my life. They're always they're, like halfway decent. They're always it's a it's a, a you know what you're gonna get when you order it. It's not gonna be crazy. The kids love them. You know. Even the pickiest kid's going to eat eat one of those. I, I'm with you there. All right, next one. I said there's no such thing as a bad chicken strip, but there is such a thing as bad pizza, and the worst pizza anywhere oh, is the school cafeteria yeah. pizza. Do you remember yours? I do. Um, and what's what's funny, that it, it's like it hasn't changed. It's that square you know, with the thick cheese. And I think it's exactly what our kids, I sometimes volunteer at, at school lunch and it's the same thing. It's like it's existed for decades. Yeah, mine, I remember it was like a really like white crust, like oddly white, mm -hmm. like white bread. And the bottom of it was almost like kind of flaky in a way, but not like in like a good like croissant way. It was just this weird like flaky white, I don't know. And like kids loved it because it was pizza. And I'm like, no, no. Yeah, but it's huge here. Pizza Friday in New York City public schools. I mean, it's it's huge. I don't but, know. And there was a controversy a few years ago where like the the vendor they were using, the sauce was blue or something. There was Ooh. some, and so they didn't have pizza Friday for months. Mm. And I, I didn't tell my kids because I didn't want to make lunch on Fridays. See, my, my oldest daughter, she hates the school pizza, but my, my kids are like uh, pizza snobs. Yeah, like, your like, kids. They're, they're like they're, big time. Like Brooklyn has made them, we went to, it's funny because we went to uh, the Caribbean a couple of years ago and for, for a vacation. And we, the place we were staying had a pizza place in the Caribbean. 
You can see where this is going. Yes, yes. And yes, one yes. night we're, we're, we get home, we're tired. Let's just order a pizza from the place down the street. And it was very school cafeteria, the pizza. I mean, it was basically on white bread. And my, my kids both looked at it. They're like, dad, this is not pizza. They're like, this is not pizza. They didn't believe that it was pizza. They yeah. wouldn't eat it. That reminds I, me of my kids with hummus. Like, really? We, well, we're we're near Sahadi's, which is like oh yeah, the of best, course, the very best hummus, which is what you know they've grown up eating because of Brooklyn, right? Um, and they were served sabra, um, <laughs> and they were like, "What is this?" And the person who served it was like, "Well, this is hummus," and they were like, "Oh no, this is this no, is no, no, not no, hummus. No. It might be made of chickpeas, but." It is not us. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, I'm curious what they would think of this next one. And that is Lunchables are and have always been overrated. I'm sorry. I, I've never understood it. I was never into it. Uh, subpar. First off, no, no offense to deli meat. Like I, I, I love deli meat growing up, but what's in Lunchables is no boar's head. Like no. that's, it's, it's garbage. And he's throwing in some crackers and like some cubes of cheese. I mean, uh, what? No. That's supposed to be like an exciting lunch? Beyond, besides the fact that it's the least healthy thing you could have. Totally. Yeah, I agree. They're they're gross. I remember having them as a child and not opening the meat container, the little leaving the plastic, because I couldn't stand the smell and I thought it was so gross. And you can just very easily make them for your kids, not to, you know, be so Pinteresty, but it's very easy to get some crackers and some cheese. You don't need to, you don't need to buy that. No, no, you don't. You can make, I mean, make your kids some charcuterie, you know, that's what you do. That's what you do when you're a Brooklyn mom, you, you make your kids charcuterie. Exactly. And I'll tell you, uh, here's the next hot take for you. One thing I do not make my kids because I just don't understand it. They don't even like it. It's so overrated. PB and J. I just, I'm sorry. It's a condiment sandwich. Like, why am I giving my kid a condiment? You know, hey, why don't I take some bread and put some ketchup and mayo together? Let's do that. Condiment sandwich. No, PB&J. I don't get it. I got to disagree. I mean, my kids are pretty big PB&J or um, sun butter because yeah. you can't have nuts yes. always. Sunflower seed butter, yep. My recommendation is always start your kid on sun butter because like if you start with Jif and then you go to the sun butter, it's not going to work. But they're, yeah, unfortunately they are big PB&J um, fans and I had to cut the crust off. <sighs> I know I shouldn't be doing that, but you gotta- You know what? Like, I was that way as a kid. What am I ugging? During a, you know, during a pandemic in particular, I can't, I can't argue about crust. I just don't have time. Now, I will say this about peanut butter cheap slash you know brand name peanut butter it's better than the the gourmet stuff it really is the gourmet peanut butter like the oil kind of rises to the top and as much yeah, as you stir it and no. never incorporates like skippy and jiff like it's kind of hard to beat that well i at the beginning of the pandemic like many people ordered some groceries online and I think I was a little panicked. I'm not a hoarder, but I was a little panicked. I accidentally ordered this giant Peter Pan. It's like the size of a snare drum. <laughs> and we we have marked like the day that we started using it. I think it's going to be like another two years before we finish it. But we had never had Peter Pan. It's pretty good. Yeah. Now, I will, speaking of those, those snare drum containers, so I've spent some time during this whole quarantine at my in-laws because they live uh, in a big house in the Burbs in another state and there's space to roam. And so, I, I, you know, it was very fortunate to do that. But they, they 
they picked up some bad habits while with the in-laws. And one of them is, um, they're by, uh, am I going to, yeah, I'll do it. I'll throw it. Yeah, whatever. My mother-in-law, she has very different, um, eating habits than me. And, um, she likes to partake for lunch sometimes in fluffer nutters and she's got a big drum of, of the marshmallow fluff. And so my kids got, you know, breakfast, things like, you know, big chocolate chip muffins were kind of acceptable and lucky charms. And, you know, not that we're like health nuts, but like we try to limit the sugar, you know, a breakfast here might be like Greek yogurt with some granola or whatever. And so I I had to get to the point where I'm like, all right, can we do that like every other day? But like, there was a lot of fluffernutters, like a lot of fluffernutters. Yeah, I think. But that's not a lunch. Is that a lunch? I think I had marshmallow because I didn't like, as I said, I, I was not a big lunch meat person even now I'm not the best with it um so my mom struggled with what to put in my lunches and I had like I would have a thermos of soup sometimes or um I had like marshmallow fluff sandwiches um she's a wonderful mom but, I just, but you know what and look it's a different generation different, different things are acceptable but like but like in 2020, is like a fluffernutter yeah, considered like a real lunch? That's a dessert. So. That's a dessert. I think that there's not any protein. That's well, there, there is protein in the peanut butter, but it's all, butter, but it's the, the sugar, all the sugar. It's off the chart. Yeah, it's off the chart. Well, the thing is, now that we're all indoors all the time, you just cannot have that kind of sugar rush midday. I mean, Good point. you're, you're going to pay the price. So not you just, that's, it. You just got a caged animal now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> all right. Next one. A lunchbox is always better than a brown paper bag. Why? Why the brown paper bag? I don't understand yeah. it. It it it's not like it, it. Besides the fact that you're wasting all that paper and having something that you can reuse is better for the environment. Um, a brown paper bag is not sturdy. It doesn't protect your food. It rips easily. Like, how did that become like this de facto thing? And it doesn't have Garfield on it. That too. <laughs> As my lunchboxes often did. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm not big on the brown paper bag. I mean, I guess if you don't want to spend the rest of the day carrying a lunchbox around or for adults or... Or like one of those, I actually think the best thing is like one of those like cooler bags, you know, yeah, like those like lined bags. Yeah, I feel like that's what all the kids have now are like these, in, we have these like insulated bags. We don't have that hard plastic lunchbox of your with like the fall guy on it or something i mean I, it's funny because like i i don't know i think about the i just things really that, dated myself with the fall guy <laughs> lunchbox <laughs> but you know i knew someone with one you know i uh I, I don't i don't even know how we did it as kids with the things that our parents would pack and they would sit for like four hours at at, at room temperature and i mean i pack like an ice pack in my kids lunch because i'm just like you know, there's deli meat in there. There's yeah, going bad. It's exactly, exactly. All right, last one for you. Okay, and this is the thing that I just it makes me so sad about this year. One of the great school dining experiences, I think, for any kid, was being able to trade part of your meal with friends. Oh yeah, and COVID's going to kill that, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, honestly, in some ways, the cafeteria experience in general is, it's it's on pause. Um, you know, you can't be in a cafeteria. You're there's no salad bar, um, and yeah, sharing food is um, 
that is not happening. That it will not be happening this school year. Uh, I don't know, maybe ever. I feel like there's some things that we're going to just stop doing. But yeah, there'll be no, you know, trading the Cheetos for pretzel sticks or oh, those, I, those or, are just, that was the best. Just seeing yeah. what other people had, eyeing the table, thinking about your next move. The, yeah, the fruit roll up for the, the gummy bears. And you got to like kind of play poker face because you don't want people to know that you have this thing that you always get that you hate because then you're going to get lowballed. Exactly. No, you need, there there was an element of skill to the lunchroom trade. Yeah, now you get what you get and you don't get upset. (laughs) And I was never like a, I'm not a milk person in general, but like chocolate milk never did anything for me. So like chocolate milk was always a good thing to dangle. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I think, again, this is a Brooklyn experience, but we didn't give our kids chocolate milk for a very long time, and now they don't like it. And it's like we won. (laughs) Nice. Well, we've been kind of trying to do that with soda. But again, at my in-laws, there was some little, not too much, but a little bit snuck in. Um, Any last advice you'd want to give a parent uh, who's now, I don't know when they're going to listen to this. Obviously, this will be up you know, for eternity, but for a parent who's mm-hmm. going, what, what do I do? How do I make this decision? Do I send my kids to school? Do I do remote learning? Is there any advice you can give? Oh, gosh. I mean, it's very hard. I, I feel like taking into account um, infection rates where you live, you know, is the, is the um, virus spiking are things status quo and like what are you know what are your community leaders um saying about it and like what are you able to 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 do like some people have no choice because they work outside of the home some people have a choice um you know i think everybody need needs to remember like it's you're choosing between a lot of bad <laughs> choices and give yourself some grace i think and um that's, that's, I feel like all I can, all I can say and in a year, hopefully, you know, we're, we're having a normal back to school and, um, taking all the pictures and feeling excited and that can get us, hopefully that gets us through. And I guess, you know, it's the other thing to juggle is how do you kind of coach your kids into going back into school again? You know, it's because they're going to have to obviously follow certain rules and protocols. And I'll tell you, if I'm being totally honest, the thing that scares me the most, I shouldn't say scares me the most, but the thing that really has me unsettled is, you know, my oldest fourth grade, you know, has the routine down. I'm sure it'll be unsettling for her, but my youngest is starting kindergarten in a brand new school building. And when my oldest was starting kindergarten, I could walk her into her classroom. And on the first day of school, I've got a kindergartner who is going to walk into a building with nobody. She, you know, she'll, she won't even probably be going in with her sister because they, they enter in different entrances. So she'll be walking in alone. Hopefully we'll find a friend she can go in with, but I just, you know, that's really sad, you know? And I I do just kind of think about what that has got to be like for a kid that age to walk into a building where everybody's wearing masks and it's not that she hasn't been in the building before, but it's just, you know, I, I don't it's know. Not like, the experience how do you, you pre- how do you, how do you, pre- yeah, and how do you prepare your kids for that? I guess you just got to talk them through it. Just get get them yeah. prepared. Yeah, I mean, I there's, um, I think something that I think about is kids really are. People say this, and it sounds like a cliche, but kids are resilient. You know, I think for us, 
the masks are scary and we've all read 1984 and we've all watched Handmaid's Tale or whatever. And so we feel like, oh, this is so dystopic. Like kids don't have that background, you know? Um, it is very scary for some kids and some children absolutely struggle with masks. Um, but I think children also understand keeping people safe. They understand um, that this is sort of an extraordinary moment and that, um, you know, there's a lot of great, I would say great resources online. Come to Chalkbeat. We have, we have a lot of first persons, not to give a plug, not to be shameless. No, no, please do. You know, but a lot of first person pieces from teachers and psychologists and principals, um, you know, everybody's sort of struggling in this moment with how do we create a sense of normalcy, um, you know, for our children. And, you know, it's, everybody is sort of facing that same, those same questions. It's really hard. Yeah, definitely check out Chalkbeat. It's a great resource for what's going on with the schools. I mean, it's all the news you need to know about schools in your city. How many cities are is Chalkbeat in we're now at in, this point? We're in eight right now, and we have a national team. So, um, you know, we're growing. And yeah, absolutely. Please uh, check us out and send us tips. And maybe someday we'll come to your community. And if you don't follow Carrie on Twitter, what is the Twitter handle? It's at Carrie Malego. Yeah. Easy enough. Uh, great follow, always with, with, with the witty banter. Aw, thank you. And if you're new to this show, Hot Takes on a Plate on the Believe Podcast Network, please subscribe if you listen to Apple Podcasts or follow if you listen on Spotify. That way you never miss an episode. And if you like what you heard, please rate the show. Five stars, of course. And if you want to get in touch with me personally, I'm at Rob Patron TV on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Hot Takes on a Plate is part of the Believe Podcast Network. That's B-L-E-A-V. Check them out at B-L-E-A-V.com. Until next time, I'm Rob Patron. Ciao.